0: Hello and welcome to Mindful of Everything with me, Agrita, a podcast giving you insights to the minds of deep thinkers, where in each episode I'll be discussing various thoughts and questions deep thinkers often find themselves mindful of, from topics such as climate change to self-development and everything else in between. So let the journey of mind unravelling begin now. Just a reminder, this episode is directly linked to part 2.2.1, where I was discussing about plastics and climate change. This is directly linking to that because that episode got too long and I decided to divide the episode into two. This episode is part two of part 2.2.1. I ended the first part of the episode by mentioning that I will go through solutions and that is exactly where I'm going to be starting off today. So, let's begin. So, the first solution we often think about is recycling. And as mentioned before, recycling does produce moderate amounts of emissions, but it is definitely nothing compared to the emissions produced by incinerating and refining and extracting to make virgin plastic. It's also great that we have so many bins that section out plastics and general waste in public and also at home, so we can recycle and we can recycle in a really easy way. But the question is, is recycling really enough? The answer to that is definitely no. And I'll be telling you exactly why recycling isn't an option, but a last resort. So the main issue of recycling is that most plastics just don't get recycled. Like I mentioned before, overall across the world, only 9% of plastics that have been made are recycled. Only 9%. So. The other 91% is somewhere on this planet. is either dumped in oceans or landfills or on the land, or it is burnt. And of course, like I said, incinerating is producing way too many emissions. Great Britain's Royal Statistical Society announced that approximately 90.5% of plastic waste that has ever been created has never, ever been recycled. 90.5%. And 70% of recyclable plastic in Europe actually ends up in the landfills or in the oceans or it is incinerated because incineration is considered the easiest and cheapest option. But why have we been doing this? It doesn't make sense that if we produce plastic that can be recycled, why is it ending up in landfills and why is it just not being recycled? Why is it not being managed in a correct way? Why are we? burning that plastic when we can so easily recycle it and then use it again rather than relying on virgin plastics? Well, if you look at just your home and the plastic items in your home, especially the single-use plastics, most of them have a label, or it's like a tiny little label at the back of each plastic product that will say either you can recycle it, it is currently recycled, or it currently isn't. And most of the single-use plastic stuff in your house It has a label that says currently not recycled all the time and literally when I'm looking at products to see if they can be recycled and I see that logo it annoys me so so much. The plastic that we would assume that can be recycled that looks like it could be recycled actually isn't. Not only that recycling can actually be very confusing for an individual. There's been so many times where I'm standing next to my general waste bin and my recycling bin And looking at the product in my hand thinking, does this recycle again or does it not recycle? Because even though many products are now having those labels that say if they recycle or not, there are still tons of products that don't have that label. So you're just standing there thinking, should I recycle this or not? So what do people usually do? They either end up throwing away plastic that could have easily been recycled or they end up putting non-recyclable plastic in the recycling bin. We know what the problem is of putting a recyclable plastic in the general waste bin. Of course, that one piece of plastic could have easily been recycled and reduced the need of producing that one piece of virgin plastic. So we know what the problem of putting recyclables in general waste is. But what is the problem of putting a non-recyclable piece of plastic in your recycling bin? As you can already tell, society has become so fast-paced And so has things like recycling. So if just one non-recyclable product is seen in your recycling that has recyclable products in it, that recycling is just thrown straight into general waste and it does end up in landfills. So even though you put just one non-recyclable item in your recycling, that item alongside all of the recyclables in your recycling bin will end up in the landfill. So that's how problematic Putting non recyclables in the recycling is. So, if you ever are confused about whether an item can be recycled or not, please just do us a favour and put it in the bin because it's better if that one item goes to landfill rather than that item and lots of recyclable items are going to the landfill. I would actually expect recycling industries to sort out recycling and to sort out anything that has gone into recycling bins accidentally that shouldn't be recycled. But like I said, society has become so fast-paced and sorting out plastics has not only become time-consuming but also really expensive for industries to do. So if you ever ever are confused about whether something should be recycled or not, just put it in the bin. I mentioned that recycling does produce a moderate amount of emissions and yes the process is energy intensive but not only that, many countries, especially western countries, send out their recycling To other countries, expecting that they will sort out that plastic and they will hopefully recycle it into new products when those countries can easily just burn it. What's the problem with that? Of course, to ship our recycling, you need to be using fossil fuels. Well, most countries will be using fossil fuels to send out their recycling to other countries. So that is producing a lot of emissions just right there. I was pretty shocked to hear that we do that. That is a common practice and it has been going on for decades, when you can actually just manage all of that recycling right here. So you won't be producing as many emissions as sending out plastic to China or Malaysia. Not only the emissions, so many cargo vessels actually end up accidentally dropping items into oceans. So, of course, if you're taking all of that plastic waste across oceans, then definitely some of that plastic waste will end up in the ocean. So it's not correct in any way we should be managing our own recycling we should be managing our own waste we shouldn't be depending on another country to be doing it for us because most likely that country won't be doing it in a correct way and they will be incinerating it So to sum up, why exactly is recycling not the solution but our last resort? Recycling is not clearly working because we're not recycling enough plastic. Many of us don't even know what we should be recycling because it's not been made clear to us. Our way of recycling has just become lazy. We are depending on other countries to be dealing with our waste, our recycling, when we could be doing it ourselves. And we're not sorting out plastics, we're not sorting out recycling in an effective way. Just because a few non-recyclables has ended up in someone's recycling doesn't mean that we have to just throw everything out. We should be taking time to sort stuff out. We should be investing that time and that money because it is really, really important for the planet and for climate change. So what's the solution to our recycling problem? Only, only way we can deal with plastics is to just stop their production entirely. To stop feeding the recycling cycle we have going on. Recycling is just allowing us to produce more and more virgin plastic and just recycle it. So we're not stopping the amount of plastic that is going into recycling. Recycling is just making us produce as much plastic as we can because we know we can just recycle it. When ultimately we aren't even recycling the plastic we have currently. So why would we recycle the plastic we're going to make? So instead of relying on using virgin plastic, we should just stop the production of plastic altogether and then recycle and use the recycled plastic that we have currently to make plastic items if we do need to and we can't find an alternative to that. That is what the solution to recycling should be. We should just be recycling. We shouldn't be adding in more plastics into the recycling schemes that we do have. If you remember, the emissions produced at each stage of a plastics life cycle. If we keep on producing virgin plastics, we will continue to produce emissions at each stage. So why not just eliminate all of that and just rely on recycled plastics? And the plastics that exist right now, we should just recycle them instead of producing more. And we should be recycling locally and nationally to reduce our emissions related to recycling. So the main solution of our recycling problem is to actually just cut out plastic production altogether. But what can we as individuals do? Because of course, we're not the ones that are producing plastic, we're just using them. So what can we ourselves do to reduce plastic pollution and also this issue with recycling? First of all, the best, best solution is just to buy less. I mentioned this in part 2.1 as well. Buying less means that you have less waste. And not only do you save money, but you also help protect the planet. A lot of our items, even if they are made out of plastic, come in plastic packaging. And plastic packaging actually represents 40% of plastic demand. So if you are reducing the number of items you're buying, you're immediately just cutting out the plastic packaging needed to pack those items that you didn't even buy. So buying less is definitely the best solution that you can use. To help cut down on your plastic waste. If we just continue to rely on councils and governments to implement some sort of scheme to recycle correctly, I think it'll just take too long for us to solve this plastic issue. So, why don't we just cut down on our consummation of goods? Again, it's just the whole supply and demand issue. If the demand for items goes down, supply will also go down and we will be using less plastic. The next key way that you can help to improve recycling is just to search up what can actually be recycled and what can't be. You can easily search this on the internet and you can easily find out what your council recycles and what they don't recycle. Recycle Now is a really good website for anyone living in England to find out what you can recycle and what you can't You just put in your postcode and they show all the different things you can recycle. So definitely just becoming more aware of what you can and what you can't recycle will definitely help in making sure that the things that can be recycled will be recycled and the things that can't be recycled will just go in general waste and not other recyclable items ending up in landfills. Not only that, please, please remember to always clean out your plastics before recycling. I've heard so many people say, No, 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 it's fine. They will clean out the plastics for us. They really won't and I've explained exactly why they don't do that. So please make it easier for everyone and clean out your plastics. It has food in it if it has soap in it like soap dispensers please just clean it out and also remove any labels from milk bottles or drink bottles because again those labels won't recycle but the bottle will so just always remove labels and also clean out your plastics before recycling i think i definitely should make a list of common things that we can and can't recycle of course it does vary across countries But in general, what we can and what we can't recycle, I think I should definitely make a list on that because I also find it really, really difficult to know what I can recycle. For instance, I don't know that you can't recycle receipts. Apparently receipts are made out of a mix of materials and some of those materials you can't recycle. I've been recycling receipts all this time because I just thought they were paper, even though they do feel a bit different. Literally, we are so unclear about what to recycle or not to. Recycling has just become so chaotic. So definitely, I'll try to make a list of things you can and cannot recycle. For paper receipts, just try to get... Your cashier to send them for email so get a digital copy instead of a paper copy i usually go for paper because it's just quicker instead of giving your email and stuff like that but of course more things are going in the bin so definitely go for digital receipts rather than paper ones if you really can so like i said the main solution the best solution for recycling issues and the plastic crisis in general is just to stop our production of virgin plastics, to stop our production and our reliance on single-use plastics. But when we say we want to stop something, we usually mean we want to replace that thing with something better, something better for the environment that isn't as harmful as plastics are. So I'm going to go through a few alternatives to plastics that I found are quite good I'll go through the good points, of course, and also the bad points and try to make some sort of conclusion to what our best alternative to plastics could essentially be. So the first alternative that we can think of is glass. Usually whenever we have a plastic bottle or a glass bottle, most people would choose the glass bottle instead of the plastic bottle because we see glass as a more environmentally friendly product. And there is some truth to that. Glass definitely degrades better than plastic does. When it does degrade, it doesn't release any harmful chemicals to the environment. So it definitely is greener in that aspect. Also, glass doesn't rely on the production of oil to make it, and glass is just so much more easier to recycle. You don't have to stand there thinking four or five minutes if you can recycle this piece of glass or you cannot. Glass just recycles, you just have one type of glass. Another health benefit of glass is that it doesn't leach chemicals into the liquid or the food item you've put it into, like plastics do. Plastics over time do leach chemicals into the food or drink you've put them in, so that is of course a health disadvantage, but for glass it doesn't do that. So of course everyone would probably assume glass is better for the environment, and Coca-Cola also said that their sales for glass bottles compared to plastic bottles have increased because people assume that glass is better for the environment than plastics. And of course, when we look at it in terms of degrading, it definitely is. But it isn't as easy as that. In fact, glass produces more emissions to produce that glass product compared to plastics It sounds weird, but you need much more energy, twice more energy to produce glass compared to its plastic counterparts. So of course, we're still dependent on fossil fuels. So if we're using more energy to produce glass, we are using more fossil fuels. Not only that, because glass is more fragile than plastics and is definitely heavier than plastics, more fuel has to be used to transport glass products to wherever it needs to get to compared to plastic. So again, you're using more fossil fuels to transport glass compared to plastic and you're using more fossil fuels to actually produce glass compared to plastic so in terms of emissions glass is definitely not the answer that we should be settling for it does degrade better than plastics it doesn't produce toxic chemicals when it degrades it also doesn't leach into your food and drinks but it is using more energy overall Compared to plastic production. So, overall, glass is definitely a better alternative to plastic in terms of the health benefits and how it degrades. But in terms of transportation, in terms of making it, it does produce a lot of emissions. So, I think the best thing we can do, because glass is so easy to recycle, we should just be recycling glass bottles and instead of relying on other countries to recycle them for us or relying on glass imports from different countries we should be recycling and reusing glass bottles locally just like how we used to back then. Back then people used to have milkmans delivering glass bottles to them and they would most likely use those glass bottles for home or they would just give them back and whatever milk company was providing to them They would just be recycling those glass bottles instead of relying on making new glass bottles. So if we had some sort of scheme where we could easily recycle our glass bottles or glass products locally rather than just recycling them with mixed recycling and expecting them to be recycled, I think we can definitely save a lot of energy right there. Also, because the main issue is using fossil fuels to create glass, if we could just switch the majority of our energy sources to renewables I think that question of just comparing plastic production emissions and glass production emissions would just go away so I think the main main issue here is we just need to convert our energy sources to renewables and half of our issues will already be solved The next alternative that we quickly go to when we talk about replacing plastics is paper. I'm very, very happy to see that many shops have now started charging their customers for plastic bags rather than just giving them out for free, but we're still producing them. We still have stocks of plastic bags and many people don't mind paying as less as 10p, for instance in the UK, to pay for a plastic bag because they forgot to bring their reusable bags. So you've seen many companies now convert their plastic bag usage or plastic packaging usage to paper packaging. Again, because it degrades well, it doesn't release those toxins unless that paper has been produced in a very cheap way, where a lot of chemicals have been going into the production of that paper. But is using paper instead of plastics the greenest option we could ask for? First of all, it does degrade much quicker than plastics. Again, it degrades in a better way. It doesn't release toxins back into the environment, unless that paper has been produced in a very cheap way, where a lot of chemicals have gone into the production of that paper. But it won't essentially produce the same amount of litter as plastics do. It degrades much quicker. It won't harm wildlife as much. And, of course, it can easily be recycled compared to plastics that can't all be recycled and that aren't being recycled, even if they can be recycled. So is paper really the greenest option we have? Again, it is another energy problem. Producing paper, not recycled paper, takes approximately four times more energy to produce than plastic. So again, it's producing more emissions just to produce that paper compared to plastics. So you have another emissions problem right there. Again, like I mentioned, if we just convert to using just renewable energy that problem of emissions will be eliminated even if we are using more energy to produce paper but production isn't what i want to really be talking about right now because of course you can somehow find a way to produce paper in a less energy intensive way for instance using recycled paper instead of cutting down trees coming to the main point that i want to talk about is if we rely too much on paper we will definitely be cutting down more trees and cutting down trees and then thinking planting new trees can solve the issue that we have created by deforestation is definitely not the solution we should be settling for at all. It shouldn't really be the solution for anything. I definitely want to make a separate episode on the problem of relying on planting trees but I will just briefly go into why planting trees Will not help solve climate change or protect our planet. I don't want to go into too much detail because I will make a separate episode just on deforestation and planting trees. But the reason why people think that planting trees is the best option for us is that plants are a great carbon sink. So, of course, trees will be a bigger carbon sink. They have the potential to sequester CO2 from the environment, and that's all great. But if we are constantly cutting down trees, we will be planting trees that are very identical to each other. So that will be creating monocultures. Of course, that's bad because if some sort of disease comes in that does kill one tree, many trees will be killed in that. Of course, they will be more prone to forest fires. The problems with monocultures go on. So of course by planting lots of trees thinking that they will sequester CO2 is producing monocultures. So that's having a negative environmental impact even though planting trees will be sequestering more CO2. Also planting trees have the issue of soil erosion. You need to make sure that the trees you're planting are planted in the right environment where you won't be having issues like soil erosion. Of course planting trees will then increase the amount of water you need to sustain those trees. And of course, planting trees have another problem, such as using pesticides and fertilisers. So you do have a lot of things to think about when you are planting trees. And planting trees really isn't just a solution we should be looking at. Again, I'll go through this in much more detail in another episode. But essentially, what we need to do is that we need to stop relying on planting new trees and rather allowing degraded forests to regrow. So managing degraded forests. How you can do that? I'll go through in my other episode but instead of planting monocultures instead of relying on planting new trees we should be restoring degraded forests and degraded habitats. It's claimed that allowing degraded forests to regrow actually can store up to three billion tons of carbon annually compared to planting monocultures so of course you have that benefit already. You are sequestering CO2 plus you are making sure the environment isn't impacted alongside that. So that was just a brief insight to why planting trees isn't supposed to be the option that we're supposed to be relying on. And another problem with relying on paper as an alternative to plastic is that paper is still heavier than plastic. doesn't really sound like it would be, but it is still heavier than plastic. So again, you have expensive transportation costs And of course, you'll need more fuel to transport heavier items. So again, you'll be using fossil fuels, you will be burning more fossil fuels and emitting much more than plastics would. So that is another issue of using paper instead of plastics. Again, like any waste that ends up in landfills, if paper is ending up in landfills because people are thinking it's just more environmentally friendly if we use paper because it will eventually degrade and it will degrade faster than plastics. actually does produce methane if it isn't degrading in correct conditions so you have another problem with paper right there essentially any bio waste that ends up on landfills if it isn't degraded in correct conditions it will produce methane so you have that problem of paper compared to plastics another alternative to plastics which i think would most likely be the most feasible option that we have and will most likely be the cheapest one and also the one that will have a less negative impact on the environment is using metals. Metals degrade very well compared to plastics, they won't be releasing the toxic chemicals that plastics do when they degrade and they're degrading faster. Plastics do take double the time to degrade than metals do so you have an advantage right there. Metals are also quite light compared to plastics. They're also very durable. They last perhaps longer than plastics do in terms of packaging and single-use plastics. The main reason why I think that metals are supposedly the best alternative we have at the moment is that metals are just recycled much better than plastics ever have been. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, overall only 9% of plastic has been recycled. And if you compare it to metals, just to give an example, in the EU alone, 72% of tin and aluminium have been recycled. So that is a massive difference compared to the plastic that we recycle. So that means that we don't even need to rely on virgin metals. We can just use the metals that are present with us right now and just keep on recycling them. So that will save a lot of energy, a lot of money, and it will prevent us from deforesting more to produce quarries and mines to extract metals and since metals are much easier to recycle than plastics I think using only recycled metals as an alternative to plastic will definitely help us just because metals do degrade much easily than plastics do, they don't produce harmful chemicals when they do degrade and you don't have to really think about oh if this ends up in the landfill what it'll be doing because it'll degrade very easily. Of course it can pose a threat to animals such as animals getting stuck in tin cans but compared to plastics and how so many aquatic animals Are mistaking plastic for their food, they won't really be having that problem with metals. So it's sort of a lesser of two evils sort of issue. I still think metals will definitely be better than plastic, but of course, only if we use recycled metals. That's basically the case with any of the alternatives I've given, so glass and paper. If we just use recycled materials, we'll be saving so much energy we don't have to rely on fossil fuels to make virgin paper, metal, or glass. We need to just stop relying on virgin materials. We need to stop extracting them because we have enough materials on this planet that we've already extracted, that we've already created. So, why not just recycle all of them and use them? Yes, sure, recycling can be more expensive than actually extracting materials. But right now, we just need to think about preserving our resources and also limiting our emissions and making sure that the materials we use don't degrade into toxic. Chemicals. So it's all great if we use recycled materials, but I know many countries don't do that. They rely on virgin materials. And what is the issue with using virgin metals? Extraction and production of metals is much more energy intensive, as you can imagine, than plastic production. So, of course, it will be using more fossil fuels. So, countries are relying on virgin metals. Of course, they'll be producing much more emissions than them relying on virgin plastics. There's a website that I found that looks at the environmental impacts of plastics versus metals it's on my website again and they say that producing one kilogram of polyethylene products produces four kilograms of co2 on average but if you produce one kilogram of aluminium, it produces 10.63 kilograms of CO2. So that's more than double the emissions produced by making one kilogram of polyethylene products. So you can already see that if we are extracting and making virgin metals, you're producing more than double the emissions of producing virgin plastics. So again, it's just Us stopping the production of any sort of virgin materials and just recycling the materials we have on the planet right now that we have already extracted, already manufactured, already refined. Not only is extracting metals producing more than double the amount of CO2 as producing virgin plastics, but it also is requiring more land to be cleared land that could be used for houses or for agriculture. They're using their land to produce mines and quarries. Also mines and quarries produce a lot of dust pollution and noise pollution and many people have to also be displaced just because we are producing those mines to produce virgin metals when we could just be recycling. Not only that, many countries, especially countries in poorer regions, they rely on cheap or child labour which then infringes human rights of workers and then it brings in an ethical issue as well. So you have so many downsides of producing virgin metals, virgin materials in general. So the best thing to do is just use recycled metals, recycled materials, and not rely on virgin products or materials. Okay, so the three alternatives to plastics I've gone through is glass, paper, metals. The fourth alternative I want to go over with you is biodegradables. And before I even decided to make this series before I even started researching about the alternatives to plastics, I used to think that biodegradables was the best option we could ever have to replace plastics because it just makes sense. Biodegradable, the item that you have, the material that you have, it just easily biodegrades and it provides nutrients to the soil. It releases non-toxic products back into the earth. And is just recycled in a natural way. That's what biodegradable means. At least that's what I thought it meant. And that's what many people think it means. But after I decided to search up the alternatives to plastic, I actually found out that biodegradables aren't exactly what we think they are. I think we as consumers have to be very careful about the things we buy and the companies we depend on and the companies and industries that we put our trust into because many companies are actually greenwashing their products. They're seeing that climate change and protecting the planet has become such a big issue within the public that they're trying their best to make their products look green or look environmentally friendly by greenwashing. In terms of plastic, what I mean by greenwashing is that many companies are using just conventional petroleum plastics and they're putting in additives that help that conventional plastic degrade much faster than a normal conventional plastic bottle, let's say, would degrade by. On average, it takes one single-use plastic bottle 400 years to degrade. So what companies are actually doing is that they have that conventional plastic, so they have that plastic that is made from petroleum, and they just put in chemicals or different additives that help that conventional plastic to degrade much faster than its conventional plastic counterparts so don't have those additives in it. Sounds pretty good, it really isn't because like I mentioned before plastics when they degrade it doesn't matter how long it will take for them to degrade they will release chemicals back into the environment that are not safe, that are toxic. So if you're adding additives Into conventional plastics, you're making those conventional plastics break down quicker, which might seem good and it might seem like, okay, we are reducing our litter of plastics, but no, we are helping those conventional plastics to degrade faster and release toxins quicker into the environment. So that's not good at all. That is not an alternative. That is companies greenwashing so they can continue to use conventional plastics but say that they will degrade faster. But it just means that those toxins, those chemicals are not safe for the environment. They will be released into the environment quicker. What's the point of those plastics? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So we as consumers have to be very careful when we see biodegradable plastic. When we pick up a bottle and we think, okay, we're being environmentally friendly by buying this biodegradable plastic, we need to be careful. We need to make sure that that company isn't greenwashing and using conventional plastics that have additives in them that makes that conventional plastic break down quicker. Because if anything is breaking down quicker that already has those toxic chemicals in it, those toxic chemicals will be going into the environment quicker. So might as well just stick to your conventional plastic that's taking 400 years to degrade. Not only are those plastics degrading quicker and releasing toxins quicker, Biodegradable plastics that are actually just conventional plastic with additives in it can't really be recycled because those additives make that plastic less durable and when you try to mix it with conventional plastic you get less durable products so recycling becomes much more difficult and again like I said if anything is in your recycling that isn't recycled usually then of course your recycling will be ending up in landfills. So essentially what we the consumers need to do is that we need to search up those companies that are providing the biodegradable products that they so say they are providing and actually find out if those products are just conventional plastics that have additives in them to make them degrade or if they're actually compostable and truly biodegradable products. So we do need to invest some time to go through the companies that we depend on and see if they're actually producing truly biodegradable or compostable Items. Like I said, if you have time to scroll through social media so many times in the day, then you definitely have time to do a quick Google search of the company that you saw was providing a biodegradable product and see if it actually is biodegradable, if it actually is compostable and not conventional plastic, just greenwashed. So I just mentioned compostable plastics, and there is a website that I'll put on my website keep saying that basically any link that i mention will always be on my website so do check it out and read whatever you fancy but that website tells you the differences between biodegradables degradables and compostables and i just briefly mentioned compostable products compostable products are products that you can just put in a compost heap and over time because of the conditions in a compost heap they will degrade. And people think that that is a really good way to produce plastic that is actually biodegradable, truly biodegradable, so you can compost it. Most of these compostable items are made out of plants, for example, cornstarch. I've seen lots of bags that say they're made out of cornstarch. When you feel them, you can, it's like you can feel that starch, so you can tell that, yes, they definitely have put something in. But again, like I said, Many companies are able to fool customers, so definitely look into them. And, of course, because they're made out of plants, they will definitely break down into natural products that will be very good for soils, very good for the earth. And apparently such compostable biodegradables can break down as early as 90 days. So compared to conventional plastics that take 400 years, on average, to break down, you have these compostable biodegradables that can break down as early as 90 days, provided you have a compost heap. That's where the disadvantage comes into it when I talk about compostable products. Not everybody has a house and not everybody likes to own a compost heap. I live in an apartment so I of course don't have a compost heap Many people, even if they have houses with a garden, they don't like having compost heaps. So I still think that compostable plastics, it's not really the answer. It's not really convenient for everyone. Most people would just throw those compostables into the bin. And the reason why that's another problem is that if you put biodegradable items that have plant products in them on the landfills, you have the risk of those products breaking down to produce methane. And like I said, methane is 84 times more potent than CO2 in the long term. The way that biodegradables can produce methane on landfills is that when you keep dumping waste on top of each other, you are creating anaerobic environments for the waste that has been compressed underneath the waste that you keep on adding. And the problem with that is that bacteria that does require aerobic conditions won't be able to survive in those conditions and so that waste that has been compressed with other waste on top of it starts to break down and produce methane and that's why landfills are the third largest methane contributors to the planet. Some countries will use that methane and use it for energy and electricity but most don't so you're producing mass amounts of methane and if you add biodegradables into that they will again degrade faster and produce methane faster. So that's why you have a problem with compostables. You do need to put them into compost heaps or into the soil and prevent them from going into landfills. Yes, sure, they'll break down, but then they're producing so many methane emissions. So that's where the catch is. Biodegradables and compostables sound like a very, very good idea, but you need to be able to sort them out properly. You need to be able to dispose of them correctly And again, you can just do a quick Google search and find out exactly how to do that. There are many facilities that dispose of bio-waste and you might have one close to you. When I was trying to search them up, I was getting very confused. I can't really find any that are very close to me. So the only thing that I have to do is just throw stuff in the bin. So I think compostables, biodegradables, biodegradables that don't use conventional plastics and put additives in them, They are a good alternative, but I think we still need to put in more effort to make sure that people are disposing of them correctly and not just adding those products onto landfills, which then produces more methane, which is not helping climate change in any way. Another problem with compostables is that because of the plant materials in it, you can't recycle it. And when people see this plastic bag is biodegradable, or this plastic packaging is biodegradable and it's good for the planet, most people think, yeah, yeah, I can put it in my recycling and, you know, it'll be better. It's better than putting it in the trash. Actually, it's much better if you throw that compostable or biodegradable in the bin rather than recycling. Again, like I said, you need to be able to recycle the correct items. Otherwise, you won't be having your recycling go to recycling centers, but I'd rather it'll end up in landfills. And many people are, again, so unaware of how to dispose of things. We don't even know what to recycle properly. And then if we're adding in biodegradables and compostables, it just becomes even more confusing. So I think we still have some time for biodegradables to become more widely used. And so then we might have collection points put in place for bio-waste. But at the moment, I don't really think it will be working right now. We'll have to somehow find another alternative. But for people that have gardens, for people that have compost heaps, really, you have such a big advantage right there. You can easily get any sort of biodegradable or compostable item and you can just put it in your compost heap or you can bury it in your garden, you know. So don't be put off by getting biodegradables or compostables if you have a garden, if you have a compost heap or if you're close to a bio-waste disposable facility. You know, every little counts so don't be put off by the idea that it might be hard to dispose of if you definitely have those facilities with you or next to you just when you thought the disadvantages for biodegradables have ended haven't you have another issue of gm crops being used to produce these compostable plastics or materials a lot of people are against gm crops especially for religious cultural reasons and also for health reasons and not only just that there's another argument an ethical argument of food crops being used for plastics instead of being of course used for food and that will have a direct impact on food prices of course that's very detrimental to people living in less financially stable areas not only that you also have the issue of land clearance clearing up lands just so you can grow those crops to produce those plastics that we will use and then, of course, you have the issue of deforestation, monocultures, using fertilisers, the list goes on. So not only are biodegradables looking inconvenient, but they also can have ethical implications and environmental problems in terms of how they're produced. Like I said, before I even started recording this episode or started finding out about all of this information that I'm giving you, I was so excited to actually talk to you about biodegradables i literally thought that that was the solution i literally thought that we could just convert from conventional plastics to biodegradable plastics and everything will be okay even if it ends up in landfills it will break down quite fast and my hope was shattered basically when i started researching about all of these things literally if you just type in are biodegradables good for the planet you'll get so many disadvantages mainly because it's not really convenient to find a compost heap. And most people do live in apartments, especially in cities. And it is also very difficult for people to think clearly about what to recycle, what not to, what to throw away, what not to. Like I said, life has become so fast paced. So I feel like depending on biodegradables might just add in more pressure to correctly dispose of things. So yeah, it is, of course, upsetting to see. But it's not all dark and gloomy. There's still many biodegradable options that are being looked into, that research is being put into, that are not really seeming as harmful as, for instance, commercial plastics having. Additives that make them degrade faster. You have lots of examples like mushroom packaging. Mushrooms make networks between each other. So you can definitely make durable materials out of that. You also have things like water bottles being made from algae which can last just a few days, so another advantage. Scientists are also looking at engineering plastic-eating bacteria. I've seen quite a lot of TED Talks on that, quite a lot of articles on this. So do search it up if you're interested. And those plastic-eating bacteria, they can easily be used in landfills, they can also be used in ocean cleanups. Of course, we have to make sure that these bacteria don't become invasive, or they don't end up harming the environment even more, but I have seen a few talks on people saying that there are bacteria out there that are good for the environment so they won't be harming the environment in any way and they will be eating plastic so research is definitely ongoing so we shouldn't think that this is the end but ultimately we need to find a solution that helps our society shift from a use and throw society to a reuse and preserve society we need to emphasize on reusing products Whatever solution we end up with that can replace plastics, we just need to make sure that we are reusing that product. We are reusing materials instead of relying on virgin materials. That is what we need to do. We need to just change our perspective and we need to change our lifestyles. We need to stop using and throwing away stuff and we need to learn how to preserve and reuse items. Society used to be like that. I don't understand why we shifted from that. You save money in the long term, it's better for the environment, we're saving money in terms of manufacturing as well, we're reducing our emissions. So why have we just become this use and throw society? Why do we so rely on single-use stuff? This issue of single-use plastics wouldn't have even evolved if we just stuck to our reuse, recycle and reduce ways. Even if we make biodegradable plastics, we need to make sure that we're not making single-use biodegradable plastics because we're just feeding our dependency on single-use products. We're continuing to be a society where we just use something for a second, for a few seconds, maybe a minute, and then we throw it away, never thinking about what that product that we just threw away, what impact it could have on our planet. We as a society have to become eco-conscious. To save this planet, we as a society need to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're limiting our negative impact on the planet. And of course, there are many ways to do that. We should continue challenging governments and organisations and industries, companies to reduce their plastic use, to reduce their plastic packaging, to find more sustainable ways to produce products that we're using, to provide services in the most green, environmentally friendly way. We should continue doing that. But I also believe in the power of inaction. There is a wonderful article on The Guardian, can you find it on my website, that talks just about the power of inaction. I just want to state a few sentences from that article because it was just so powerful. It made me think twice about how I'm treating this climate crisis. So, this is a few of the sentences. Just as the most effective technique for weight loss is to eat less. The most effective technique for reducing our environmental impact is to produce and consume less. There is no greener packaging than no packaging. No trip will ever be greener than the one we didn't make. No product is greener than the one we didn't buy. When it comes to the environment, one of the most powerful and effective paths to sustainability appears to be in action. Just that section right there was just so powerful. We as a society have become so used to taking action for things that we are passionate about and the things that mean a lot. And it does make sense. Of course, we do need to take action. Governments and industries do need to take action to reduce their plastic waste or air pollution or anything that's affecting climate change. We do need to take action and we also need to take action to challenge those governments and companies. But we also have to remember that there is a power of inaction. If we just stop relying on single-use plastics, companies will see a plummet in demand for single-use plastics. If we cut down on the amount of products we buy, we will cut down on the amount of plastic used to package those products. As I mentioned before, 40% of plastic demand is just for plastic packaging. So if we are reducing our consumption of products, plastic packaging will go down. The amount of plastic needed to package products will go down. If we start supporting companies that are making an active attempt to reduce their plastic use, their waste, their emissions, and instead stop supporting companies that are doing absolutely nothing, there is power in that. We as a society have just become so... Used to taking action for things that matter. But sometimes we just need to understand that the power of inaction is great enough. That's why things like boycotts and protests and strikes are so important. If we stop providing our support for companies that are turning the other way when it comes to climate change, when it comes to protecting the environment, it will have a massive impact on those companies. It will make them think twice about what they are doing. And it could really make those companies, those industries, the government realise that climate change should really be our priority. So, overall, what we need to do is that we need to reverse our dependency on plastics and find alternatives that we can reuse and that won't have a harmful impact on the planet. And we need to believe in an action. We need to believe that if we just stop buying plastics, or at least reduce our plastic usage greatly, And if we stop supporting companies that are doing absolutely nothing to protect our planet, we can be solving this climate crisis quicker than we ever imagined. I also wanted to go through a list of how you could personally reduce your plastic footprint. But again, this episode has become too big. So I think I'll be releasing a bonus episode where I'll be going through exactly how you can reduce your own plastic footprint. So how you can try to live the most plastic-free life possible. So definitely look out for that bonus. Just to quickly wrap up this episode, you might be thinking, all Agrieta does is just mention solutions. Mention solutions and lists of solutions. It's like it never ends. Why doesn't she just go out there and do something about it? Why doesn't she just invest her time and energy to invent something that can help? And really, you're not alone. I also had that thought a while back. I thought, okay, I know about so many different solutions and so many things that we can do, but why don't I just do something? And I want to quote what Greta Thunberg said in her TED Talk. I'll put this on my website so you can check it out. It's a very, very powerful TED Talk. And Greta said this, some people say that I should study To become a climate scientist so I can solve the climate crisis. But the climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. All we have to do is wake up and change. Just hearing that made me stop questioning myself, made me stop questioning my time and energy that I have invested to look through solutions and then to share them with you. The climate crisis has already been solved. Governments and industries know exactly what to do to reduce their emissions, their plastic waste, their waste in general, their negative impact on this planet. People of power know what to do. They knew from a very long time. We're just finding out about solutions now. They knew about all of these things before. Businesses, industries, governments, they have the time and money to invest in producing alternatives to plastics that won't have a detrimental impact on the planet. They know the answers. And for anyone that thinks that we don't, or if we don't have the technology or the resources to help solve this climate crisis, I just want you to think about this. If we can make many unmanned missions to Mars, if we can find out about solar systems in another galaxy that are many, many light years away from now, If we can get to the moon as early as 1969, we have the resources. We have the brains. We know exactly what to do to help save our planet. We know. For anyone that thinks we don't, we know. But why haven't we done anything yet? The answer to that is that we haven't even made the climate crisis our priority yet. We have prioritised space missions and trying to find other planets to reside on, our priority. But we haven't made protecting the only planet that has enough resources to sustain life efficiently and sustainably our priority yet. We haven't made protecting the planet, planet Earth, our priority yet. And that's exactly why we're seeing the detrimental impacts of anthropogenic climate change the climate change that we have created as humans. We still think that there's so much time left for 2050 to come that we don't need to prioritise climate change. 2050 is just an estimated deadline for us to sort out everything before we can no longer make any changes to our lifestyles, to our missions to save the planet after 2050. 2050 is just an estimated deadline. It could well be before that. The IPCC have said that we need to make sure that the Earth doesn't warm higher than 1.5 degrees Celsius. We need to do that. But we're not doing it because we just haven't prioritised climate change. We want to know what's out there in the universe. Yet when it comes to climate change, to plastic waste, to protecting our planet, everybody turns the other way. Nobody wants to hear about it anymore. It's tedious, it's tiring, it's annoying. But the very people that say this have no idea that it will become impossible for them to live on this planet if climate change reaches to such an extent that planet Earth becomes inhospitable for life. That's why I don't need to go out there to invent anything. You don't need to go out there to invent anything. We have the solutions. We know what the problem is and we have the solutions. Now what we as the public need to do is raise our voices and fight for the only planet we have. We only have one planet. There is no planet B. And it's now our time to raise our voices and fight for the planet that we all live on. Just like Greta said, we need to wake up and change. We need to change our perspective on life. We need to change our lifestyles. But that change won't happen if we rely on another person to do it that change starts from you that change starts when you decide that you want to become more eco-conscious about your actions and how your actions are going to be affecting the planet and the change starts when you tell people around you your loved ones the people that you care about to become more eco-conscious only then will we make a society that respects the planet that's providing so much for them, the planet that is the only planet in the solar system that has enough resources to sustain life, that planet that we call home, because there is no planet B. Thank you for listening. I hope you've gained a little more insight to what it's like to be mindful of everything. If you haven't already, Hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast app to be up to date with episode felices, and go over to my website mindfulofeverything.home.blog to get more information. This is Agreeta with the Mindful of Everything podcast, and I shall see you next time.